from New York City. A podcast from working actors, directors, and playwrights. This is the Cry Havoc Company. Hello. Welcome to the Cry Havoc Podcast. I'm Kit Lavoy. I'm the Artistic Director of Cry Havoc and a writer and director. And today around the table with us we have... I'm Jennifer Kerfman. I'm an actor and a director. Tim Davis. I'm an actor and a writer. Jenny Curlin. I'm an actor. Jen Reichert. I'm a playwright. Carrie Flanagan. I'm an actor. Today we're talking about the topic of rehearsal etiquette. Theater is an incredibly collaborative art and a place where a lot of people come together to do their work in the same room um, and often under very complex circumstances where uh, people are expected um, to put themselves very much on the line about things that are important to them. And so it becomes very important how we deal with each other in a room. I know as a director I am asked often by other directors uh, about actors I've worked with who they're considering casting, and I do the same thing uh, when I'm considering casting someone, asking about, um, asking people who've worked with them. And you can get several different answers, but I will tell you for absolute sure, if the two answers you get about two different actors are, one is, they are a wonderful, wonderful actor. They really don't show up on time, and they really pretty much had fights with everyone in the cast, but they were really terrific in the end. And someone who they said, you know what, they were good. I was, I was happy with them. They you know, struggled with some things, um, but they were wonderful to work with. And everyone uh, really enjoyed working with them. And, uh, and, and they were always prepared when they showed up. I guarantee it is the second actor that's going to get cast. The fact of the matter is, and especially if you're talking about New York City or L.A., there are a lot of actors out there. And people don't have to put up with people who make the process difficult. And so one of the most important parts about becoming a working actor, a lot of it is training and becoming an actor who can do terrific work, but part of it really is about being a person worth working with. And so what we're going to talk about today is what are those things that you should be aware of when you are in a rehearsal room um, that is expected of your behavior and the things that you can do to help make the process more fruitful for yourself and for other people. Um, So to kick off, uh, let's talk about time. Uh, Scheduling, uh, arriving on time, using people's time well. Does anyone have any thoughts to kick off? I do. It's uh, the, the rehearsal room is your workplace. If, especially if you're, you know, if you're, well, we all hope that, that we're working for a living at this. Um, you come to that room, you treat it like you would any job, which is you arrive on time, before time, so that you're ready to work when the rehearsal is scheduled to begin. And if that means you need to plan in your day, like if you're a chronically late person, you need to plan extra time in so that you're on time, um, then that's what you do as you would for any job that you had. Also, to piggybacking on that, I think different actors have different, or different people have different ways of jumping into work. If you're somebody that really just needs to settle into yourself for a little bit, then come 15 minutes earlier, half an hour earlier, whenever you can get into the space or into the building even. 
Um, some people can click in two seconds after they walk in the door. Just You just need to know yourself and how you work, and you need to be ready to work. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's important. I think a, 12, a 10 o'clock rehearsal means you start working at 10 o'clock, not you come through the door with your coffee and your sandwich you want to eat and your jacket on and wanting to, uh, to warm up for 10 minutes. What should you do if you're late? Apologize. Call. Call, call, well, yeah. Yeah, call the stage call manager. Once you've walked in the door. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Before you walk in the door, if call. You, if you think you're going to be late, call. But really, don't be late. Don't be late. But, yeah. but if you if you are, then I, I think all those are great suggestions. There's one thing I would add to that. But then move on. Yes. Yes. No, no, yes. Don't continue to apologize throughout the rehearsal. <laughs> right. I think there's something about, you know, that I, I'm now going to spend the first, you know, half hour, 15 minutes of this rehearsal, indicating to everyone how apologetic yes. I am, how sorry I am. And I think there's something effective. Okay, you're late for whatever reason. Uh, uh, it, it is a, a break in etiquette. Uh, however, you know, we will still rehearse today. We're not <laughs> going to, to shut down. Um, <laughs> the, the break in etiquette is not that huge that we will, we will, we will we'll shut down the production, but then move on and, and, and get right to work. Get right Which to work. Which is respecting, is it more respecting of the time? Don't take up time. Like, if, yes. if, you know. Yeah, yeah. And it can be, yeah, people can come in, they come in 10 minutes late and it's a flurry of activity of looking how rushed I am trying to get here on time. And you don't, you know, you don't have to do that. You have to yeah. come in and be as ready as possible to get to work. But also, I think if you're late, you need to be prepared for the fact that they may have started working on something else. In mm. which case, you prepared to sit and wait until it's time for you to work. Mm. Um, but don't be late. But don't be late. <laughs> um, and it's also another thing. If you are going to be late now, I mean, technology has changed over the past several years. You can text the stage manager if they've given you the number, potentially email if you know it's someone who has it in front of them. Um, but something actually that I that I, I think is is really helpful is to give an ETA. If you know you're going to be late, let them know when you think you're going to be there. Be honest about it. Because if you know you're going to be 20 minutes late and say I'm going to be 10 minutes late, figuring it will really be just like you're 10 minutes late because you're only 10 minutes later than you said you were going to be late, <laughs> there conceivably could have been 20 minutes worth of help, wor worthwhile work that the person could have been doing that they were thinking, well, if they're only going to be 10 minutes late, maybe we'll, we'll just wait for them. Yeah. Um, and the other thing is it's helpful to ask for some sort of response to the fact that they've gotten your message. Mm -hmm. And if you don't get it, to try again. Um, and potentially try more than one person. If there's a stage manager and an assistant stage manager and an assistant director and whoever else it might be appropriate, yeah. keep trying them until you get somebody. Agreed. Mm -hmm. um, there's also uh, the flip side of that that I, I think uh, is an important part of etiquette um, is for the director and the stage manager to try to be as respectful as possible of people's time. Um, that I think everyone needs to realize there comes a point in rehearsal as the process gets on where you kind of need everyone on call. You're, you're running the show, you're running the act, everyone's going to have to be there for eight hours, and that's just what it is, and, and people need to come and be prepared you know, to be patient and bring a book or bring whatever else they're going to do. Um, but that the director and stage manager and whoever else is involved in the scheduling should try to be respectful and realize if I'm going to be working on one scene, two scenes on a given day, and the first scene involves three people, the second scene involves those three people, and a fourth person is going to take an hour to get through the first scene, don't call the other person until an hour in. Um, it's okay, I think, to say it's probably going to take an hour and 15 minutes 
and to call them an hour later so that if you get done on time, you're you're ready to 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 go. Um, but uh, generally, that idea of being respectful of of other people's time and not having them wait around, and that it gets a bit actually into the idea of not only is it polite, but that creates a kind of environment where people are going to do good work, where people feel like if I'm here, I'm going to be used. They're more likely to show up and be ready to work. They're less likely to disappear during a rehearsal break. All of those sorts of things. Well, it and also, and it allows for when when you do have those days where you are going to need people on call for eight hours, they understand and they respect that because you've been so respectful of their time up till that. Point. You know what I mean? They they know that you're there in good hands. I think that's going to be the bottom line, bottom line of a lot of this is respect. It really is a matter of, as you said, occasionally things are sensitive um, in rehearsal or. Um, or whatever the the circumstances of, of the play or the rehearsal might be, but I think everybody recognizing that everyone has a job to do and everyone's job is sometimes going to be hard, <laughs> I think is a really useful way to approach every element of etiquette and rehearsal. I think, you know, and, and we've discussed this previously, um, I, I think we, uh, in, in terms of creating an environment where people can do their best work, and I think that's sort of the, the through line. Kit, you just mentioned it in terms of rehearsal etiquette is, is a way to create that environment where everyone feels empowered to do great work. And uh, I, I know as an actor, um, on those days where I come in, I do my work, uh, I'm let go early or I'm not called to a later because I'm only needed for a certain section, I, I, I feel my impression of the, the production crew and the company is is solid. And I do feel, as, as Jenny just said, I'm in good hands and I'm able to do good work and I can focus on uh, the work I need to do. Those times when I've been in productions, and uh, fortunately they've been rare, uh, where uh, your time isn't used well, um, uh, where you're, uh, you know, you're called and you don't get to, to work. It's an early rehearsal and you don't get to work until till, uh, uh, you know, an hour later, two hours later. Um, several occasions I've worked on indie films uh, where they would call me because they weren't sure when they would get to the film and I, I would want to be sitting around literally all day um, those are unfortunate situations, not only because, you know, selfishly my time is, is, is being wasted and there's better ways I could spend my time, but I think more importantly as it deals, what's more pertinent to the production is as an actor, my faith is shaken a little bit that I am in good hands. I start wondering not only about the scheduling, but what other things in this production they might not have, you know, a, a good a good handle on, on dealing with and what other potential pitfalls am I as an actor on stage going to have to deal with through this process. Yeah. And I, I think from the director and stage manager's point of view, there are days where things get complicated. There are days where there are technical problems that come up that you could not have foreseen. There are days where you have a breakthrough in a given scene that you don't want to step on you end up giving more time. There are days where an actor has shown up a half hour late at the beginning of the day and the rest of the day has to adjust to that. Um, but I think when those things happen, eh, you should try your best to avoid them. Mm. You usually can. Um, but one, always use whoever you called. I mean, there have been a. It, is, it has happened rarely, but there is something where if someone has been sitting around for two hours waiting to work, even if it means that you have to stop a scene halfway through just to give them fifteen minutes to do some work that day, you really should. It's it's mm -hmm. it's it's a, I think a real uh, uh, breach of etiquette to not use someone who you've called. Sometimes, again, these are extraordinary rare po situations. Sometimes that's not possible. Um, but in any case, 
I think it's really useful to be very honest with people. What you're talking about, Kit, I think is, can help set a really good environment too in terms of these etiquette things is uh, some of the things we've already talked about and, and hopefully other things we'll talk about. It's just an acknowledgement is that people, you know, most of the people I've worked in the theater have been just really kind, super people. Um, and it, they just want to be acknowledged that their energy and their time and, and their talent is being valued. So as we said earlier, if you are late, say, listen, I'm really sorry I'm late, got here as soon as I could, I'm ready to work. Uh, if you are going to hold people up because of a technical thing, it's really important to just acknowledge that hey, you know people are much easier, uh, to, uh, people are much more forgiving and much more understanding and compassionate and will stay on board and will stay on the team with you mm -hmm. if they say, okay, you know, they're having a heck of a day here, and they've told us we're having a heck of a day here. Uh, it's it's a technical, you know, problem that we're trying to deal with, or we're having a, an issue we didn't anticipate that's going to take more time. Uh, we're sorry you're you're waiting around, or we know you guys came in here at a specific time. We're going to get to you as soon as we can if you can hold tight. Most of the time, Thank that's you. yeah. Thank yeah. you for being patient. Yeah, that's that that's all. Uh, 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 an actor, and I'll only speak for actors, but I think that's all most people actually really need is an acknowledgement. And it really is that thing where giving people information in situations like that is so helpful that you know the problem is, it's a technical rehearsal, we can't get the house to revolve or whatever the problem is. If you come out, you tell people that's what's going on, you say it means we're going to be tight for the rest of the day so if we can be prepared to go and we're ready to go, the actors can then spend their time huddled in the lobby or whatever talking about, all right, what are we going to do to be ready to go? Mm. Um, you know, or, or preparing for the next step rather than sitting out there wondering what is going on because I can guarantee they will be doing one of those two things and they'll be talking about whichever one that <laughs> whichever yeah. one it and is. I think it's important also to keep in mind that in many of these cases we're talking about, you are being paid for your time. Yeah. And so even if you're, hopefully everybody is respectful of the fact that, that you may be sitting around, but this is useful time. This is time where you are a part of the team and you can find someone to run lines with you or, or something. That, that there are ways to contribute to the project even when it feels like idle time as well. That you're kind of on the clock. Yeah. And there are times where you're certainly when you're starting out in your career where you're not being paid or when you're a student actor and you're not being paid, or when you're working in community theater. But there also are people at the very top of their field uh, who are not being paid for everything they do. That There are things that they do that are, are, are projects that they want to be a part of, that they're interested in the development of a play and where it's going. Um, I mean, I certainly do a, a fairly good mix of projects that are paid and projects that are not paid. Um, but I think the rules don't change. Uh, I you're think still on the clock. Yeah, that, that I think that that's important, that the moment you get the sense off of someone of, hey, I'm not being paid to be here, to me that feels like a real breach of the trust that, that you've got going on. I think almost you can almost always count on the fact that if you're not getting paid, neither are the other people who are trying to fix the problem. Well, there's also something to the fact, and again, I'll speak for actors, in terms of you know disciplining yourself and... Uh, and some of the things we've already talked about, just in terms of being on time, and and I know uh, actors who've done this, particularly when they're first starting out. And to be to be frank, I probably did this when I first started out, and it's, and it's uh, it's a mistake, I think, to to say, well, you know, if if this were a bigger project, or if I were getting paid better, well, then I'd show up on time, then I'd show up prepared, then I'd show up, you know, um, you know, the you, I, I think an actor, you know, should should take the onus on themselves to develop the discipline that. 
regardless. You know, I'm going to show up on time for this black box, non-paid showcase gig, so that when I do do a major, huge production, I will, you know, I, I will have worked for however many years, over many months. It's a skill set. Yeah, it's, it's, that you have to build. Absolutely, it's and another it's skill set you have to build. Building. Yeah. Too. And how do you think you get to be a paid actor, right. except by putting together a good reputation yeah. as an unpaid actor? Um, I know for myself, the most, I mean, almost without exception, the most important career advancing opportunities I've gotten have come out of relationships or, or interactions that I've had from unpaid jobs. Um, and and you, you, you really are, and you never know who you're working with there who's going to become someone that you wish you had impressed that you were someone worth working with two mm -hmm. years later. Mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. In terms of the, the scheduling and, and, and arriving on time, um, what do you do if you're sick? <laughs> do you mean in the you rehearsal, or do you mean like well, you before rehearsal? Well, actually, those are actually that's good. Two questions. One: What if you wake up and you're supposed to be in rehearsal in an hour and you are sick? What do you do about it? Uh, I, I think you do the, the 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 same thing you do when you're late. I think you have to communicate immediately that you're you know you, you have an illness, and uh, I think you have to make it's it's a case by ba case basis. You have to make a judgment on where you are in the rehearsal process, how necessary you are to that day's rehearsal and I'll be clear that is not a unilateral decision. <laughs> yes, <laughs> you know, yes. I don't think I don't think an actor uh, gets to sit at home and go, you know what, I have a hangover. I'm you know, really I'm not needed today. So, you know, I'm, I only have, you know, the, the few lines. Um, you know, I think you need to communicate and, and communicate A what the, the level of, of illness is, uh, the type of illness it is, what what's needed for that day, and have a communication with the stage manager uh, over over how to resolve that issue. I yeah. don't what you're, I, what you're capable of, like, communicate to the people yes. what you're capable of doing yeah. and see and how Is you feel. Helpful? And they can make the judgment of, like, please come and have your body in the room. Exactly. Or stay home and don't infect get everyone. <laughs> yes. And along that line, though, I think there are... There is an incredible physical closeness that happens in a lot of acting work, and that's an important thing to keep in mind. Even if you come to work with the sniffles, yeah. you know it's fair to share that information with the people you're working with. Yes. You're you all need to be as healthy as you possibly can. So as much as you can keep each other healthy. Yeah, and to be responsible when you're in the room if you are sick to let anyone you touch know that you are mm. to to keep your distance from people there you know if I mean not cloister yourself away but be aware of, of keeping a little bit of distance from people and I also think obviously actors are very protective of their health and and of their bodies um, and there actually is a real sense to which it is basic etiquette to do everything you can to keep yourself healthy mm -hmm. during a rehearsal process and during the run of a show um, you know that getting enough sleep is part of being a responsible rehearsing person, you know, make, taking your yeah, <laughs> taking your vitamins, take you know, you start feeling something coming on, take your emergency or whatever it is. That airborne, take, airborne. <laughs> um, but that really is a, a very basic thing because actors are rightfully terrified of getting sick when they're working because it means they can't do their work. And 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 it is interesting that actors are generally a group of people who want to be at work every day. Usually, you have four weeks three weeks, five weeks, depending on what's going on, to rehearse a show, and that is exactly enough time to get that job done. Um, and, and, and people are, are 
are not looking to find an excuse to call in sick generally, and and certainly don't want to be made sick in rehearsal, so they can't, so they have to miss a day or two of rehearsal. Mm -hmm. Well, and depending on the project, there may or may not be someone to step in for you as well, and so you're kind of looking all the way down the road as to how many times a week you have to be able to do this for how many weeks, and um, I think not only do you want to learn your role and, and be able to. Um, participate in rehearsal, but I think uh, sharing that information about your health is really, really critical. What do you do if you get sick during rehearsal? Again, I think it's a case-by-case -case situation, yeah. following roughly the same rules. Mm -hmm. Tell the people who, who make those, who will help you make the decision. I think it's, it's uh, in regards to how your, your health is going to affect the rest of that rehearsal, or, or any rehearsal, if it's a play where you must be really intimate. You know, I think it's, uh, uh, and you, you have a really bad cold, but you could make it to rehearsal, and you know you can you can run through the play, but you know what, you need to communicate, you know what, we're not going to kiss here, I'd really prefer not to, because I don't want to infect you and get you sick as well, or, you know, I, I think it's understanding uh, uh, what's required of you in the play, and what you're able to do in that particular rehearsal, what you're not able to do, and communicate that effectively to everyone. What about rehearsal breaks? What are the etiquette uh, related to rehearsal breaks? Well, I, I mean, well, first same as the start of the rehearsal. I'm sorry, you go ahead. Oh well, I was just going to say first and foremost that there are actually a lot of rules in place that are based on the the union, and that I mean I think it, it sort of follows the same rules. I think as Jen was going to say, probably if you go out to, to have a cigarette or go buy a sandwich or something that you are are still expected to return after the five minutes or the ten minutes but in terms of the um, the union rules there there are breaks that you can count on through the course of the day and so I think you can adhere to those those breaks recognizing this is a this is a break where it's appropriate to have a bathroom break and this is a longer break where it's appropriate to go and have lunch mm -hmm. I mean the, the and, rule and of thumb for equity the rules of equity are five minutes every 55 minutes or 10 minutes every hour and 20 minutes yes. and it basically is is up to the stage manager usually in consultation with the director um, and depending on the circumstance in consultation with the actors about which one of those they're going to follow um, but yeah a you should let people know ahead of time uh, to what the best you can be. what the break schedule is going to be so people can know I need to run down to the ATM in the lobby I should be sure to do that on a 10 minute break instead of a five or whatever and to be to to be back from the break ready to work the same as at the top of the rehearsal is what I was going to say. Yeah. So not rushing in the door at the last second with your, with your stuff. Your, yeah. uh, you know, but but ready to work at the end of the break. At the same time, I'll, I'll say this as an actor who's been in, in a variety of, of break situations. I, <laughs> I'm. Uh, I'm fascinated by by the rules regarding the break. Regarding every 55 minutes, you get a five minute break. I I don't have, have any idea what you can get done in five minutes. And I would rather, to be honest, I would rather keep working than rather than take a five minute break because there's not much I'm really going to. It's five minutes isn't a break. There's nothing you can get done in five minutes that you know. I'm not going to recharge. I'm not going to. I'm not. You know. I, I, there, there's. There's very little that's going to get done in five minutes. I would much rather have you know a, a ten minute break where I can use the restroom because I've been in, in places where doing anything 
and getting to and from there, including going to the bathroom in five minutes, was virtually impossible. Um, so, you know, as an actor, you want to respect everyone's time. And if it's a 10 minute break, I want to I want to walk out that room at the 10 minute mark. And I want to walk in that room ready to roll well before the end of that 10 minute mark. I mean, I, I will say that my 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 preference is for the hour, 20, 10 minutes, whenever it's appropriate. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I think from an acting per actor perspective, um, one of the, the tricky things about that longer rehearsal space, which I will say I do prefer as well, um, but one of the tricky things is that it leaves little room for error in terms of the, the timing for the stage management and the director. And so you do come up to a point where sometimes it's not the most convenient spot in the work to stop. But I think breaks are critically important and you need to stop there. And so I kind of appreciate that there's a little bit of wiggle room between that because sometimes we have reached a point where a break is appropriate and then the next thing we can do, we can go on for much longer, even if mm -hmm. it's just a five-minute break. I mean, it actually, though, does become um, it, it, it part of the skill set, certainly of a stage range, but also of a director, to really have a sense of... I mean, I, at this point, having directed 70 shows or whatever it is, I, I think in hour and twenty minute chunks. I mean, there there does come a point at which you kind of learn how to do that. Yeah. Um, you know. And one thing I'd love to say about breaks from the um, from the other side of it, I think it's very important that a director and a stage manager respect the breaks because yes. there's a big tendency in a lot of rehearsal spaces to work through the break, pull somebody aside during the break, have a private give a note. chat, yeah. give a note, something mm -hmm. like that, and regardless of whether or not a director or a stage manager want to take their own break, that's their own choice, but um, to make sure that the actors are not in a position where they feel like they're still on the clock for that 10 minutes. Yeah. I mean, I think that's very important, and I think the flip side of that is that it's generally accepted that directors don't get a break. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, because that does come a time where people, where actors often will say, can I talk to you about that thing about my costume? Um, that said, etiquette-wise, it is directors generally don't expect that they're going to get their 10 minutes, but they may need to go to the restroom or something like that. So it is very nice. Again, it's the simple courtesy of saying, can I talk to you for a minute? Mm -hmm. And give them the opportunity to say, yes, you can. In two minutes, I'll be right back. Stand here, and I'll be right back. To, or to we'll see start back after 10 minutes with this conversation. Yes, mm -hmm. yes. But I, I think that, you know, it's okay for actors because it's actually, again, it's the actor's union <laughs> that sets yes, that yes. break. So it's really an actor's break. If an actor <laughs> wants to try to talk to a director during that break, they can, they can go ahead. But <laughs> it's nice to be polite to at least let them opt out of it if they yeah, are do about acknowledge. to wet themselves or whatever. <laughs> I acknowledge there's supposed to be a break here. <laughs> <laughs> um, being prepared for a rehearsal, I think, is an important part of etiquette. Uh, being prepared for a rehearsal means an awful lot of things that could fit into an awful lot of discussions that I'm sure we'll have um, on this uh, podcast over time. But etiquette-wise, what does it mean to be prepared? Bring something to write with and something to write on. And your script. And your script. Oh my gosh, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Do the. I mean, <laughs> generally speaking, in most productions, there's a there's a schedule for what you're accomplishing that day. If you're doing scene one, then know what specifically what they want you to know for scene one, and just know it. And there are all sorts of different ways that different directors will work, and we've talked about improv. Some directors will 
will only ever work you know, people will sit at a table people will do staging first they will do staging last they will never do staging there are all sorts of different um, ways that the process can work but one of the I guess generally accepted rules that comes up in a lot of rehearsal processes a I guess would be in terms of learning your lines and getting off book would be follow whatever the rule of the schedule the production schedule might be about that but in a lot of cases if you don't have a rule the guideline is usually once you've worked on the scene usually on its feet once once it's staged mm -hmm. you should be off book for the next rehearsal for that unless told otherwise yeah you, you actually struck on, on something that that goes back a little bit I think is important is the basic etiquette of for directors and stage managers to let people know what the What's benchmarks expected. are going to be, what is expected, how the process is going to work, when they're expected to be off book, um, et cetera, et cetera. Two things. Uh, a, on, on that subject, I think, keeping with my theme of acknowledgement, I think it's also important that if you are not prepared to acknowledge that and you don't hold up the entire rehearsal, I, I don't know how many times I've been in a room where someone has not... It, been off book at a time when they're not supposed to when, when they're supposed to be off book and, they and, and or or rather than rather than then and it'll stand up there and call for line after line after line at a point where it's it's no longer a a rehearsal it is now an embarrassing exercise in futility of, <laughs> of telephone where an actor yeah. speaks to another actor the actor talks to the stage manager <laughs> the line they get their line they return that back you're obviously wasting everyone's time at that point I think you're much better off saying listen I'm sorry I should know this I don't can I work with my script tonight so that the other person can get their work done as well um, because if you're the if you're the other actor sitting there watching another actor struggle and call lines, there's not a whole lot of work you're going to get done either. Particularly when you've done your own homework on your presumably yeah, on yeah. your own time. So I, I think your your best bet in that particular case is acknowledge, promise it will never happen again. That you will immediately go home and never have study. Again. The, you immediately go home, study your script, and and you know, be respectful of other people's time and the work they're putting in as well. And I think I think similarly about being prepared once this, something is staged to be sure that you've gone over your staging and know what it is. Or, and or, know what you don't know. Because that's something that I, as a director, I never hold it against anyone. If someone comes in and we get to the place where they, and if they come up to me at the beginning of rehearsal and say, I'm not sure where I'm supposed to go after this, no problem. Even if we get to a place in the scene and say, you know what, am I supposed to sit down on this line or the next one, that's fine. What is really can be difficult for everyone is that idea when someone comes in and they're just like I don't I don't know where I'm supposed to go that I think one of the basic etiquette rules of being prepared is go over your material before you come in know the things you need to know and just know the things that you're going to have to check in on and to back up just a little bit to the bring something to write with and something to write on and your script um, write it all down be prepared know what your what your staging is for example because you wrote it down in the previous rehearsal and you have it to go over. Mm -hmm. I mean, so Don't much of... on yourself to remember Yeah, it. so much of being prepared comes from things that I have taken notes on, jotted down and, from previous work. Yeah. And I think something that, um, again, from the director's point of view, uh, uh, an, an etiquette thing, is to give people enough information to be prepared. 
to be sure they know what they're going to be working on. But also, um, and and this is something that I that we're actually going to do separate podcasts, uh, separate episodes on later. But the idea of working with violence in in rehearsal and in production, working with nudity and sexuality in uh, in rehearsal and in production. But if you know that something that's complicated in that regard is coming up, to be sure to let the actor know that's what we're working on tomorrow, so that they can get in their headspace and figure out what they need to know. And wear the and, right clothes. And wear the right clothes. And to let people know, especially if it's an especially intimate scene or, or something like that, to let people know from two to three we're going to be working on that scene. Those of you who are called at three, please don't come in until we come out in the hall to get you. Um, that's just going to going to save the people who are working from the potential embarrassment of someone walking in on something that they'd rather they not, and also the potential embarrassment of somebody um, who walking in on, on something that they that they don't intend to. Yeah, we say it over and over again. It's it's sharing information. Yes. Respect. Yes. Um, the stage manager. The stage manager holds a very important place in uh, in the rehearsal room and the rehearsal process, um, and there really is a very special etiquette that surrounds the stage manager. Jenny, actually, you have stage managed often. Uh, what do you have to say about that? Uh, in terms of, I think I think one of the most important things is always be in communication with the stage manager during rehearsal. In terms of, if you're going to go out to use the restroom or you're going to go get a sandwich, let the stage manager know so that they know if you're not back, what where you are, or, or, ask or need permission to, of the a, stage a, manager. A ask permission, um, but B if it's a scheduled break or something, it is good for the stage manager to know if, if so and so are going you know down the block to get a sandwich. You know, I mean they they should be back in time, but if not, or if the director wants to grab them real quick before something starts to know where people are. And something that's good to, rem- to remember that because a lot of the etiquette guidelines really are about giving other people the efficacy to do their job. Yeah. And it really is, it's the stage manager's job to know where you are. And in a big show, there can be 20 people to keep track of. And as much as you may feel terrible that the director was looking for you and you had gone down to the vending machine and they couldn't find you, and embarrassing as that is for you as an actor, it's also embarrassing for the stage manager when they can't find one of their actors. And they have so much to do in their rehearsal, they have no way of knowing. And so it really is, as an actor, it is the correct thing to do, but it also is a, is a very kind thing to do to be sure that they don't feel like they have to babysit, essentially, mm-hmm. but they can trust unless someone has told them that they're gone, that they know where they are, that they're in shouting distance. Yeah. I, I, think, think, oh, sorry, I think there's something really important about you know recognizing what the jobs of other people are yes. and how you can potentially help make their jobs easier. Um, because it, it will allow everyone to be better at their jobs. Um, as someone who very early in their career probably violated every piece of rehearsal etiquette uh, that we have discussed and probably will discuss and, and learned um, through, through experience and guidance what to do and not to do, um, uh, in terms of respect for stage manager, that's something that, that I, I try to keep uh, uh, in mind for the moment I walk in because they have such a difficult job where they have to negotiate so many different personalities um, and uh, uh, you, you have to have respect for how many things they may be dealing with at one particular time uh, I recall rehearsal uh, when I was very young I was 23 I was doing Hamlet and uh, the stage manager was out 
in the uh, um, the audience. Um, and we were well near production, and we were doing uh, one of the scenes, and I went up on a line, and I called for a line, and he, the stage manager, was in the middle of doing three things at once, including being on book. Um, uh, and I called for line again, and he wasn't there, and he said, just a second. And we were at a place where we really felt the scene was kind of going, and it was really jammed up by me not knowing this line. And so I called a third time, I said, it's, and I said, it's act whatever, scene whatever. And he said, just a second. He was flipping through the script. He couldn't find it. I leapt off the stage, <laughs> came up into the, 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 the audience where he was, took the script from him, flipped to the page I was, because I knew exactly where it was, um, saw the line, said, got it, gave it back to him, went back up and finished the uh, uh, scene. And the director uh, um, uh, read me the riot act afterwards and w was right to do so in the fact that I had no idea what that stage manager was going through at that time and that he was trying to uh, handle three issues, two of which he should not have been dealing with at that time that were actually surprises while trying to do the job he was supposed to be doing. And that not only was it embarrassing for him to try to do all those things and have one of them drop, but the fact that I made such an effort um, uh, to publicly bring, uh, to demonstrate how he was failing at, at this job was, um, was embarrassing for him. It was a huge breach of etiquette on, on, on my part. Um, it was incredibly disrespectful to him. and uh, I think that's the type of thing that you, you want to avoid. <laughs> Yeah. I also think that it's it's uh, I think it should be just enough to say just respect other people everyone in the room but I think it's much I just think that should be enough but it's much easier if you actually I was lucky enough and I most people in here have been lucky enough to have taken on that job and I think that any chance you get I think it's imperative especially early on in whatever you're doing to take on the jobs I've stage managed a few times once you actually have a true understanding of what the jobs are because you had to do them <laughs> you start to understand what your role is when you take back the job of actor or whatever and where you can prioritize easier it could be the biggest problem for you in the moment but if you know specifically what that person must be going through at that moment you could say okay this isn't a big deal right now i'm going to deal with this later and i just think that's important Going back to what Tim said in terms of calling for a line, and this is something that the stage manager and the actor can communicate ahead of time, but I personally find it um, beneficial when, if an actor is going up on a line or, or needs a line, to just say line, say line in the moment, you know, don't, you don't need to break and apologize, say line, and because sometimes uh, an actor will just pause for a long time or they and you and as a stage manager you don't know if they're working something out you know mm -hmm. or if they're gone up the line and I've you know I've certainly worked with people who will pause for a long time and then be like line like I've like I've been needing this line for five minutes I don't know what you're working on you know what I mean? like, it seems really reflective so I, I mean I think it's important for the stage manager and the actors to kind of create that relationship before before anyone's being off book. That's a great point, because I've also had cases where I'm working something out, and the... And they'll, they'll come in on The you. stage when manager feels that I've... And all of a sudden, I feel like, oh, I'm wasting everyone's time. I'm now masturbating <laughs> emotionally through this pause. Absolutely. And the, the, the stage, stage manager's manager telling... 
and yeah. the stage manager telling it's me, letting you know. yeah. telling me, you know, move it on. Yeah. Yeah. What you're doing Wrap is not up. compelling. Right. <laughs> Say something. Exactly. <laughs> and, and it takes a lot of the stress off the stage manager knowing that okay, they're gonna they're gonna let me know when they need my help. Yeah. If if I can say one more thing about both uh, two of the etiquette points we've, we've talked about, the story I just told, uh, how late we were in rehearsal. Had I known my line in the first place, exactly. I would have had no need to come off the stage and embarrass him. So and yourself, and yourself. <laughs> yes. And, and if I can touch a little bit on a stage manager slash schedule break kind of um, issue, it's sort of a. I have no idea where it came from, but it is. I've been around far longer than all of us have been. Um, sort of an understood. Uh, communication pattern with stage managers um, when a call time is given or a call is given whether you're in production and it's places or or places for a run in rehearsal or this is a 10-minute break and we're back from break all of those are things that are greeted or responded uh, you respond to the stage manager thank you or Thank you. Ten minutes. Yeah, and Thank preferably you. repeat it back. I mean, that is just something that's an that etiquette thing. From? I don't because know. I, I mean, I just. Well, I, just you, I think it, it most. I don't know but how it, where it comes from, but it lets them know specifically that you heard specifically what they said. Exactly. Right. That we not, have ten minutes. Not thank you remaining. for being present. <laughs> in the room. Yeah. <laughs> but I that's that is yeah. that is incredibly common. That is yeah. absolute. Something else with stage managers is is again realizing how much they have to do. Uh, two related things about that, which is one, it's okay to offer to help if there's a way that you think you can. If you see that a stage manager is overwhelmed and does not have an assistant, if and you're sitting there watching, you can offer to be on book for them, mm-hmm. if you want. If you see that they're trying to move a big thing that, that and they don't have enough people, you can offer to help. And I think that's greatly appreciated, but it is also critical that you ask. Because there are a lot of ways in which especially stage managers have very detailed plans for how things are going to get done. And if you think it's going to be helpful to move the sword over to where the other person needs it later in the scene and the and the, the stage manager doesn't know, you're going to screw them up. Likewise, if somebody calls for a line and you shout it out instead, of, that's embarrassing to, to everyone. And, <laughs> and you might be well, wrong. And, it's and you might be wrong. <laughs> might be yeah. wrong. And, and it's just confusing because who are you listening to? <laughs> yeah. Um, and along the lines of the sword, uh, one of the many, many jobs of the stage manager is to preset props. And it is one of your responsibilities as an actor to check your props. And so anytime a prop is, is not present, you are also responsible as an actor. And I think that's, that's one of those many, many details that um, checking in, making sure, asking questions, where, where might I find this to be useful is, is always helpful, not where the heck is my uh, thing? <laughs> um, my purely, purely professional point <laughs> and uh, just how the business works. We talked a little bit earlier about the connections you make in a room and you never know who you're going to work with here. Then one thing I have come to find more often than not is that the stage management world is pretty small. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, well, the business and in general is pretty small. Yeah. But People I've gotten talk. work simply because. I was able to work well with the stage manager. So I was, I've had, mm-hmm. and they, it, it, it's, I think the, oh, more often than not, people talk down to stage managers in a way that is so disrespectful and mm-hmm. that they don't seem to understand the role that they actually do play mm-hmm. in this It's so business. interesting because I actually don't think I've ever thought about it, but I actually think when I am asking people for recommendations on actors that I'm considering working with as a director, I actually take stage managers' recommendations more seriously 
I mean, I, if I'm asking people, it's because I take their recommendations seriously. But really, a stage manager's recommendation on how someone is to work with really resonates more with me than either a director or another actor's. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's important to know that once the show is up and running, the stage manager is in charge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What about, um, do we have anything more to say about stage managers other than... Yay, stage managers. Yay, stage managers. <laughs> yeah. Um, is uh, so a, a couple of specific things. What about the use of quote unquote bad language in rehearsal? Like, uh, like cursing, cursing? <laughs> in the script, or you mean no? I mean, <laughs> I mean, presumably, if it's in the script, you use whatever language is in the yeah. script. But what about when you're talking about um, when you're talking about a play or your character in rehearsal? I think it depends on the environment that's set up. I feel like it's, I mean, are there children in the room that are part of the production that you need to be mindful of, or are there, I don't know. I think it's just, it's... it's <laughs> Nuns, it's, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I, w- I was a child actor, and that's where I learned how to swear. <laughs> I, I, think, I, think mostly that, I think mostly it has to do with the same thing that you do in life, which is you know the company you keep, and, and be able to read a room, and, and be emotionally and socially flexible. If if you're an actor or a director who likes to make off-color jokes and you realize about, you know, after the fifth one that <laughs> it's laughing. making the rest of the room entirely uncomfortable, maybe you, you take a pass on that for that particular rehearsal. If you're, um, uh, you know, in a, in a, in a rehearsal room where, where that is, uh, seems to be more um, uh, uh, welcome and is actually can serve as a bonding experience for the, for, for the cast and crew, Soldiers. then I... Yeah, then I think you're you know I think you're more than entitled to, to to explore that. I I think it's it's the same rules that apply in, in normal civil society. <laughs> and the same at any workplace. Yeah, I mean, except that I think it's a little bit different because there is something that's a little bit inherent about the kind of things you're working on, um, and the kind of closeness that it requires um, in a rehearsal process that isn't like any other workplace and I think that there are times and I, I mean I actually agree with the, the general spirit of this that you kind of got to read the room but I would say that in most rehearsal processes some quote unquote off color language is acceptable and especially given that a lot of times when you're talking about the immediacy and the visceral facts of things it's sometimes difficult to talk about when you kind of have to be polite about it because there's a lot of things that happen to characters that are not polite. Um, but I do think you need to be aware of the person that you're talking to and whether or not that will resonate with that person or just offend them. I, I agree about um, with all of this. I mean, with when you said uh, social flexibility, Tim, I think that was the thing that struck me. But I also would have to say that I guess I would lean more toward what Jen said, which is do treat it like any other work environment. And I think inevitably there is a little bit more space for that to happen. But, but I've never really given it any thought because I think it, it comes up, but I don't necessarily think of it as being acceptable so much as something that just occasionally exists. I think, you know, it, Again, it's a case by case basis. But if, if again, you want everybody in the room to be as comfortable as possible to get done the work that they're getting done, and if say in a play there's something that happens that is really truly horrific, you know, I think you know perhaps the the, the best way of dealing with that is is you know to have some some you know 
level of, 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 of gentility about that, um, particularly because you may not know, at least initially, how your actors or your artists may be working with that particular uh, uh, aspect of a play. And, and um, you know, you sort of have to develop a, a relationship and, a, and an emotional language with with your other artists so you sort of know how to how to communicate that if it's something that's an issue that's very sensitive for that for that actor and they're they're exploring that in a way that uh, is exposing some nerves um, you know maybe making light of that is is, is not the best case scenario mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. if if uh, it's if it's an issue where where it's it, it's really rough for people to deal with a particular particular moment in the play or a particular um, uh, aspect of a play, maybe you can make light of it or make jokes about it, um, uh, and, and 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 sort of disarm everyone so they can be comfortable about then dive into the work that needs needs to get done on it. Um, yeah, I, I just think you need to to set up uh, a, a common language with everyone in the rehearsal where everyone's um, uh, comfortable in a place, not comfortable where they feel relaxed, but comfortable in a place where they can get their best work done. You know, I, th- I think if if you don't, you wind up in a uh, 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 an uncomfortable situation. Something that I just have noted that I find very interesting is that there are degrees to which it depends on the material you're working on. Mm-hmm. That I think a lot. That I think you're working on a mammoth play. That there, <laughs> it becomes part of the dialogue about the way that you talk about a play. And actually, I think in other plays where it's more sparse and used, where language is more sparse and used for effect. It is tends to be more sparse than used for effect um, uh, in uh, in rehearsal and talking about the play. Although I actually have found that the one exception of that is Shakespeare, which is I think a lot of people swear when talking about Shakespeare. Hmm. I think part of it is about finding with that elevated language, kind of finding the base thing that they're plugging into. Mm-hmm. But there actually is uh, no cursing in Shakespeare, hmm. I mean, essentially, and um, probably actually, and uh, yet people Zooms. do it more than in a lot of other. Yes, <laughs> they were just different curses. Valwench. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, it, it can be a really useful thing to say when you're saying blood. What you're really saying is, uh, it's, yeah. you know, helpful to, to, to spell it out. Um, before we we move on to which I think can be helpful just to sort of hit some specific like director actor interactions and playwright director interactions. I think one thing that has less specific rules about the um, rehearsal etiquette, but I think is an important overall rule or overall guideline, is the idea of the awareness of the confidentiality of what happens in a rehearsal room. Um, And it's a place where you have to use your judgment. You certainly can go home and talk to your wife or girlfriend or your friends about something that happened in rehearsal, but that awareness of if someone, which oftentimes people do when they're talking about their character and what they connect to it share information that they would not share with you out at a bar or or that there's keep it to yourself it's it's not for sharing with people who weren't in that room um it really probably isn't for discussing with that person outside of the context of the play um and i think likewise there can be things, and if you use your judgment, that happen in a rehearsal, in a run-through, that may be very interesting, may be very, uh, it may inform the play in a very interesting way, but again, are not necessarily something to be shared. Part of it is it's a, a bit of a golden rule thing, which is you want the rehearsal to be a safe place, and 
you want people to have a sense that you are their team, you're their guys, you've got their back, and they can be themselves and share things in front of you without everyone you know mutually hearing about it. I think there's there's also something the effect of, of, of actors, particularly those who are uh, don't even necessarily need to be method actors or Strasbourgian actors, but at least are are, are influenced by by Strasbourgian uh, methodology, which is there's this strange. It's not strange, but where actors have a process um, of working on things that are sometimes deeply personal, and that's how they get to where they get uh, to have a successful performance. And I think that's what a real artist does. And I think particularly young actors uh, have a tendency to want to share that, uh, the things that they're working on, or the things that they're dealing with from their own life or that they're bringing to this play as a way to sort of validate themselves as an artist. They want to share that to other people to let them know how seriously they're taking this and how much of themselves they're investing. And I think that that leaves a lot of uh, uh, actors, particularly young actors, um, uh, a little unprotected. Uh, that there's not a need for that level of, of, of uh, you know, just sort of solicitation. Yeah, that you can, you can take care of yourself and your instrument a little better by, you know, Sharing only with the most necessary elements yeah. and understanding that what you do share is is being entrusted and won't go any farther than yeah. it actually I, has I to go. I also feel like I also feel like in certain cases it is important for an actor to share what they're working on or their personal things with the director. So the, I mean, not in all cases, but to, so the director has an understanding of what that person. I mean, working it depends what the specific thing is that yeah, they're working yeah. on. But there are things that, if there's some particular way that certainly. you're connecting to to a role, and it's a director who works in a way that it would be helpful for that director yeah. to know to help you, it's helpful to tell them. And and I think that there, I mean, I, I agree very much with what you said, Tim. Although I also would say that I, I would hope that it wouldn't necessarily discourage young actors from sharing the things they're working with with people who can help them figure out how to harness it. Because that's how you learn in a lot of ways, to talk to a teacher or a director about what you're working with so you're not out there in the wilderness alone, uh, but that they can really help you, especially if you're working with difficult things. That they can, Those are people who've been there and can help you know how to use that to inform your character without putting yourself in emotional danger doing it. That said, there's not necessarily a reason to share it with the whole cast. Yeah, the the issue of emotional danger, uh, you know, I, I just I have issues with that because it would seem to me that, that most of the emotional danger occurs when you're sharing. You know, if I'm working on something specific that is deeply personal to me and, and somewhat, uh, uh, you know, is, is something I'm trying to heal or deal with as a, as a person. The, the the damage isn't coming from attempting to use it in rehearsal. The damage comes from from sharing with people that I shouldn't have shared it with. Well, I, I wonder, and I don't know, and I think it's a topic for another another time. But I actually wonder if if that is if that I believe that's true of you. I'm not necessarily sure it's true of someone who has not figured their instrument out yet. Fair enough. Um, you know, somebody who's working on their father dying three years ago, if that's necessarily the, something they want to be out there alone doing the mm -hmm. first time. And But but I would have to say, probably not necessarily something you're, you're learning how to do in rehearsal. That's true. That's fair, yeah. That's true. Um, 
Although there are a lot of times where, where I think we're talking a lot in that case about yeah. student actors. Yeah. Where a lot of times actually yeah. the things that you learn in school are actually in the practical situation of being directed by a teacher or something. Mm -hmm. Sure. Um, so uh, moving on, just to hit uh, some of the a little bit of the greatest hits of interactions that might ha <laughs> happen between um, between different uh, sets of people. Um, Directors and actors, what about giving and getting notes? What is the etiquette of giving and getting notes in rehearsal? Write them down. <laughs> well, and even beyond that, again, well, I, down, yeah. I think you acknowledge them. Um, as, as the actor, I, this is just my own particular process. I take every note, I write it, I say thank you when I'm given it. Um, and I, especially if I'm in a cast of more than two, if, or even if I'm in a <laughs> cast of two, if, there, if I have issues with the notes, I save that for another discussion. If you know, particularly if you're near production and you're in a cast of twenty, and the 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 actor is giving the director is giving notes, that's probably not a really good time for me to begin debating what my, you know, what my objective and obstacle is in scene three. That's for me to say, thank you very much. I'd like to talk to you about that later. Make a note of that. You set aside some time to talk about that later. Um, again, you, you need to understand. I think. Um, I try to understand what everybody's job is and when it would be most effective to have the communication uh, that would, would lead to a, a, a positive, constructive result. So, um, During I, I, note time is not that time. During note time is note time. It is not discussion time, I think. Right. Just um, it's pretty much the same thing. I just feel like I, I learned somewhere that basically exactly what you just said is note time is the time for you to take out your pencil, sit down, Take in exactly what they say to you, write it down, say thank you, and move on. And take it for two reasons. One, it's not the time. It's not the time to waste on your your specific problem. And also, you might be in a heightened emotional state where you can't, you can't actually take the note in. And my teacher always advised me to sleep on it. Take it in the next day. If you wake up with the same issues, discuss it with the director. Not not in this moment in time when everyone's just trying to move on and get... I also feel like you want to make sure that you're you're clear on what the note exactly. is. Yeah. And I feel like you can, you can ask, ask, a ask a question. And, and the director can then say, let's talk about it after we're done. Or Because I feel like you definitely want to make sure you're, you're, you understand what you're writing down. Yes, I have. So you I think that's part of what I mean correctly. is that you can't <laughs> act. Well, you, that might be part of what you wake up and yeah. didn't sleep on is that you weren't clear. You yeah. realize in the morning mm -hmm. that you weren't clear. Yeah. That's a great suggestion. Mm -hmm. I think along the lines of what Tim said about remembering everybody's job in the room too, one thing to keep in mind at notes is the director's job is to think bigger than mm -hmm. than an actor's job is and so um, it's also important to kind of say all right I have to take this and, and figure out what I can do with it but you have to trust that the director has a reason that might be bigger than you for asking you to make some kind of an adjustment yeah and, and I think it is important with that in, in that regard that if you do have an issue with a note to talk to the director about mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. Because there may very well be another way they can give you the note, if, if especially if it's, well, if I do that in that moment, it really ruins for me what happens later in the scene because I would have seen the person coming in and I don't, and it's really important to me late in the scene that I haven't seen them coming in. If you give the, the director that information, they'll do one of two things. Most of the time, they'll figure out a way to take your concerns in, in, into account. Or sometimes they will say, I'm sorry, but this actually is so important to the storytelling, you're gonna have to figure something out, and then you do. But I think it's something that, it isn't okay to ignore a note. It, it's okay to ask questions about it, it's okay to ask for clarification, it's okay for ask, to ask them to take it back. And it's okay actually to say, you know <laughs> what, I back. hear the note that they're, that they're telling me, 
but I actually I know what they're actually asking me to do and tomorrow I'm going to try another way to do it and that you can do it and I think if you do decide to do that you ought to go up to the director at the end and say that moment did that play the way you wanted it to I do that a lot where I'll come to a director and say does that work for you is that what you needed is that what you were talking about a variation on that um, I think it's really important what I think the, the list you just gave is great, Kit. Um, I think it's also really important to find a, a common lexicon with with the director and the actor so that you understand each other. Um, again, uh, uh, with a lot of my training very early on, if, if a director were to give me a note, you need to play that faster. You know, 15 years ago, I'd been, how dare they? They don't understand my <laughs> process. That's such a result-oriented direction. How dare they don't understand anything about art? And, you know, I think if you develop a, a relationship with a director where you have common language, you know, a, a director, no matter uh, how well skilled I think I may be or how well skilled they may be, if they tell me, listen, you need to move that, that scene along, you need to be faster. Okay, I know I can go apply my tools to what they're saying, whether that means I need to be more urgent, you know, I need, you know, I set a time frame in terms of what this, when this objective needs to be accomplished so that I'm still able to, so that you wind up doing the play rather than having battles over whose language is most appropriate for art. I think actually though you you that strikes on something we haven't talked about that I think is kind of what all of this etiquette strikes on is that rehearsal time is everyone's time. And I think that part of it is just that awareness that you know directors there are directors out there who see actors as their tools to shove into their vision and it's their job from day one to tell you on this line you will yell it and you will turn to the right. Um and it's your job to figure out. And it's how your to job to figure that. out how to do that. I'm not sure that that actually is a. I certainly don't think it's the most effective way to go about it, and I'm I'm not sure that it's a particularly etiquetteful or even ethical way to go about it. But I think that especially if with the give and take, if a director is sure to give the actors the time and the space to explore things the way they need to explore things, to help them and talk to them in ways that are helpful to the way that they're exploring the character during the early and middle phases. It gives the director the trust and the cachet to at the end go, Tim, that just has to happen faster. And you know mm -hmm. it's not because it's not because I don't understand art or what, but it, it's, <laughs> it's because we're at that point where we've all done our work, we all share an understanding of what that scene is, and now it's time for it to happen faster. As an actor, it's also I think your responsibility, and what, what I love you to said about how it being everyone's time. It's an understanding of where you fit into into the entire piece, um, and understanding what what is what are conversations that need to happen outside of rehearsal. What a conversation mm -hmm. that can happen in side rehearsal. What your the homework that you should be doing at home, as opposed to doing in 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 rehearsal. My my favorite experience ever. I worked on a play a couple years ago where uh, I was uh, a, a a firefighter on on 9/11, uh, and the ninety percent of the play was was me and uh, an actor who was playing a character that I was desperately trying to rescue from the rubble, and two pages before. Uh, the end of the play, another firefighter came on uh, to to rescue us, and we had several rehearsals where the the actor who was playing this firefighter was committed to exploring the rubble, uh, finding out his relationship with me, with the other uh, actor, and uh, with, with the other actor playing the victim. And this went on for several rehearsals, and, and they actually canceled 
the rest of my day one day so they could they could you know work with this guy um, and uh, uh, it, he never had a sense of, of proportion in terms of what needed to get done uh, versus what he could do in that rehearsal versus what he should be doing at home. Uh, it was one of my favorite experiences watching this guy t eat three hours of rehearsal time by exploring the rubble and ignoring the two actors that he had to speak his two lines to. And that said, I think it is important to realize, especially as a director, that everyone deserves their time. Yes. Everyone doesn't necessarily deserve everyone's time. <laughs> you know, but the idea of fireman who comes in and has three lines at the end, it's their rehearsal too when they're called. And, and to be sure to schedule in some time for them to explore. They don't need three hours to explore what the rubble feels like. But you know what? You should give them a good hour at least to, to, to be able to go, to, to go through that stuff in the schedule. Um, a couple things from a director's point of view in terms of giving notes is um, it's important before you give a note to be sure that the actor knows where you're talking about because that can go by very quickly but to say the moment when you come in from the kitchen and say and, and talk to him about the silverware do you know where I'm talking about? Yes. Good. This is the note because that can be something that can cause a lot of confusion um, where people are trying to apply notes to <laughs> sections of the play that you weren't really talking about. Um, and I also think two specific things are if you have something really personal or very directed at someone to talk about in a note, talk to them alone. It is, it's interesting the way that etiquette and ethics kind of run into each other from time, sometimes. There are directors I know who think it's a good tool to embarrass people in front of the rest of the cast and that's a way to motivate them. That's not okay. If someone needs to be talked about, about either their behavior or a moment they're really not getting or especially if it's information that they potentially have shared with you as an actor that they didn't share with the rest of the of the cast it's not okay to talk about that in code it's not a, that that anyone could conceivably break if you need to talk to someone where you need to talk to them talk to them separately ask them to stay send everyone else away ask them to stay ask them to come in early to talk to you the next morning and this is something that just straddles the line between uh, uh, etiquette, good etiquette uh, note giving and also effective note giving is don't give, along the same lines, don't give group notes for one person. Ah. That that's something that I think can be very easy to do is to say, all right, now everyone, be aware that we need to pick it up in scene two and we need it to go faster because the only person in the room who will think that note is not for them is the person who it is actually for. Mm -hmm. It is okay <laughs> to direct notes at one specific person, either alone or, or, or if it's something that is appropriate to share in front of everyone, to share it in front of everyone. Um, does anyone else have any thoughts on the director-actor? Then what about actor-actor? Oh, uh, actually, I do. Yes. Um, one of the things would be when it is appropriate for a director to give notes. Because I think in the context of rehearsal, it is, I guess, generally accepted that you could give notes at any point, at the end of working through a scene, at the end of the day, even at the beginning of the day. But um, there's, a, there's another union rule about once you're in performance um, that you are not uh, allowed to give an actor 
any notes after half hour, which is 30 minutes before the curtain is to rise. And sometimes I find in rehearsal that that's kind of a useful guideline as well, that sometimes notes at the beginning of rehearsal don't give you that opportunity that we've talked about to sort of take them away and sit with them and figure out what to do with them. I think it's appropriate, but I, I'm not sure. And I correct me if I'm wrong, but I think the rule is once the show is in rehearse, I mean in performance, don't notes have to go through the stage manager? No, not, no. I don't no. remember. No. No? <laughs> no? Okay. I'm totally wrong. Um, yeah, and, and I, I think that there's... Uh, they usually do, but... Okay. Something that actually happens now more, again, because of technology changing, but there are times where people will uh, email notes. Uh, that that will be something, especially if a rehearsal runs long, say, I'll email you your notes. Um, and just, I think, the one thing attached to that is that if a director is going to email or have their assistant email notes to someone, um, they should do it, and they should do it by the time they say they're going to get it to them. And the people who get the notes, if the person is going to take the time to type them up and send them to you, you should read them. <laughs> and you should contact them if you have questions. Although I do think I do think that that does kind of uh, it doesn't cross a line exactly, but I think there has to be some sort of an agreement in place between the director and the actor because once you're finished with rehearsal, you may or may not be able to get to those yeah. physical copies of the of yeah. the notes. Well, I think that idea of if you agree to the arrangement. Yeah, yeah. If you agree that this person's going to mail the notes, the person who says they're going to do it should do it. And I actually think that's probably a good guideline. Anything that you agree to, you should do. You ought to live up to it. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes. And if you can't, you ought to be straightforward and, and, and talk about and, and explain why and move on. Um, so actor-actor interactions. Um, what about if you are in the rehearsal room and other people are working on a scene that you're not in? What is uh, appropriate behavior um, while other people are up there working and you're sitting on the side watching. Be quiet. Be, Be quiet. quiet. Watch, Watch or mm -hmm. read a book or read your script. But you should not be drawing any focus to yourself. And you may not think that what you're doing is is that, but if it turns out that you are, then then you should not do that anymore. Even if it, even if you don't think it's a big deal, what whatever you're working on, if, you know. Well, sometimes writing. even what if, I mean, <laughs> this sounds dumb. But <laughs> what if you're eating a smelly sandwich, or something? You know what no. I mean? Like if you're eating food and it's disruptive in any way, you know, papers crinkling or it's just making the whole room smell like Chinese. I mean, you know what I mean? Like you got to be respectful. One of the. Uh the best experiences uh, I ever had in a, a production uh, was I, I went and did Take Me Out down in, uh, at the Water Tower Theater, and I played the role of Toddy, who was a fairly, uh, a relatively, uh, in terms of time on stage and lines, was a smaller role. So uh, I was in Dallas for, for a number of weeks, and, and I was used to always having things to do, and I didn't know much to do other than go to rehearsal, and I wasn't even needed in rehearsal that much. So I sat there one day and said, what can I do to make this this production better and uh, it became my goal throughout every rehearsal was just sort of to let everyone else be good at their job and to see how I could help and it just created a really terrific atmosphere where that became really infectious and I think maybe that's one of the ways that actors can 
can can really help each other is that you come in with a level of of kindness and enthusiasm and compassion and 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 uh, that that you know you're willing to do whatever is necessary to help them. It because particularly with that particular show, I mean, Take Me Out is nine, ten, eleven men. Um, in our production, the majority of which were young, there was a lot of testosterone um, in Dallas for for a number of weeks. Um, you know, I mean, we were a very hard partying, hard drinking, testosterone fueled crew that could have led to, I think, a lot of issues um, between you know young, you know, headstrong men. That was one of the tightest casts I've ever been on, and I think it led it became out of the fact that we were so determined to make everyone else's experience positive um, that from everything from helping people run lines to I can help you get your costume on people were volunteering help um, in, in a way that uh, 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 was just really really nice to, to, to experience I think running lines is a big one it's a perfect example of quietly asking the stage manager if it would be all right if you step into the hallway with some other actors and run lines. And something that's so useful is volunteering to be on book for other actors while they work on their lines for other mm -hmm. scenes. Taking a couple of people or, or you know, and, and trading off or, or whatever, but it goes such a long way. Well, there's something, just that basic idea of when you're there, you're on the clock. Yes. And if you can do anything to help move things forward, mm -hmm. you ought with to. With each other. Yeah. Yeah. Even Yourself. just, you know, you were talking about what, what you should be doing your presence in your, your rehearsal room, you know, like on that show and several shows, uh, similar to that, we all stayed in the rehearsal room and watched each other's mm -hmm. scenes. And even once we moved into the theater, we, if we could, we would come around and watch each other's scenes. Never said a word, never dared to give a note because it's not an actor's responsibility to give up notes to the other actors, even when they ask. Um, but just the fact that you know, when I would look up after my scene and see nine other actors sitting there enjoying my scene, mm -hmm. uh, or just having the presence to be concentrating on my scene, what that does in terms of how you feel about your own work and trying to get your own work done is is huge. Well, it and creates a safe space of supportive people. A, a perfect example is that um, in in Shakespeare, so many actors have to work in soliloquy, and and very often you are actually speaking to the audience when you are, uh, you know, I mean, it depends on the, the production, but uh, to have other actors in the room actively participating and throwing their energy at you when you're working, especially when you don't have an acting partner, it creates an entire room full of acting partners for you to really sort through and work and, yeah. and also I, what you can learn by watching other people act. Yeah. Like purely selfish reasons, what you can learn. Uh, almost, I would almost argue you can learn more watching other people work than when you're up there working. Yeah. And, and, and I would also say, and I'm not sure this is a hard and fast rule, but uh, I, th I think it's a good one, is that if you are going to be in the rehearsal room, it's best not to be doing anything in the rehearsal room that's not rehearsal related. That even the idea of reading a book, if you want to read a book totally, let the stage manager know you'll be right outside the door. Um, and, uh, you know, that's sort of a, a but a, a less if intrusive thing. If that's possible for the if, space. If, that, if it's possible for the space. Um, but, I mean, it really is something that can be a bummer, as it was to be up there working and look out and see somebody totally ignoring what you're doing because what you're doing is not interesting enough for them to look up from their book about. It's... Um, I, I, I mean, I, there are exceptions and there are situations where the rehearsal rooms don't allow it, but I think generally 
if you can, if you're going to be in the room, be watching. Maybe be going through your script. Maybe be getting to where you're going to be coming in next. But if you're going to be playing your, your p- portable PlayStation, go out in the hall. I'll tell you how discouraging that is. This is such a, a silly story, but so apropos to what you're talking about. Um, <laughs> the movie Caddyshack, Roddy Dangerfield was in it. Uh, most people have seen the movie. It's brilliantly hilarious. And it was one of the first films he's done, or maybe the first film he had done. And he came to the director two days after they started filming and was like, I, I need to get off this movie. You need to fire me. And the director was like, why? What? You're, you're fine. And he's like, nobody's laughing. Nobody's getting any of the jokes. Nobody's laughing. And the director said, Rodney, the, the crew, they have jobs to do. They're not going to laugh. If they laughed, it would ruin a take. And I just thought that was you know, delightfully... You know, sweet that this this man was just who was a stand-up comedian was who was brilliantly hilarious in this movie was absolutely terrified that he was failing because he wasn't getting the room to laugh. It's it's a similar thing to what you're talking about, kid. Is that if you look up, if I, if you're doing your scene as you know and putting everything into it, and you look up and somebody's you know reading a book that is totally unrelated to your play, and you know they're flat in their back, you know, with their headphones <laughs> on. Yeah, you're like, man, I you know you it it can be, it can be discouraging. Um, not necessarily discouraging, but again, if you're going to be in the room, I think you want to do everything you can to contribute to the success of the play. I think you say that in general in terms of actor relations, in terms of creating good relationships with people rather than feuds. And it's not a requirement. It's just I, something that's polite. Yeah. It's funny. I mean, I, I just made this whole argument about what, what you take when you're in, working in the space, what you take, the energy you take from, mm-hmm. from the other actors in the room. But I actually would tend to disagree a little bit because I think that um, yeah, I, I would rather not look up and see somebody playing a PlayStation. <laughs> um, but reading a book, I feel like, or, or what you said with the headphones, people are doing their own preparation work. Mm-hmm. They maybe can't step out into the hallway because it's about to be time for them to work or, or something. And I, I, I sort of, as long as it's quiet and respectful and, and I don't know, I, I, I guess I feel like maybe reading a book in rehearsal is a part of that process of being able to work. Maybe it's a book that's appropriate for... I, I, I don't know. So there's there's something about the space of the rehearsal room that is um, always being aware of the energy that you're putting out. Yeah, I think that's what it comes down to. Because, I mean, I think it's one yeah. of those things that depending on the setup of the room, to go sit in a corner and read a book is great. To sit in a chair... Dead, dead center, center. <laughs> next to the stage and read a book. Twilight. <laughs> but being aware too of what's happening in rehearsal, because I I sat in on a rehearsal of Camelot once, where they were working out a specific dance number, and all the ensemble was was called, and they were I mean literally every single one of them had a book or a newspaper out on the sidelines. But if it, it's this you know intensely personal scene or something like that. I think people would have put yes. their books down and been respectful that way. Yeah. It depends what's going on. I think um, one thing to wrap up our conversation on, actually, I think is is perhaps, for my money, the most important etiquette rule of them all, which is how should actors give other actors notes? Never. (laughs) I'm so passionate about this, I can't even tell you. For two reasons. One, it is not your job. It is absolutely not your job. You're crossing job lines on major levels when you give another actor a note. But personally, why I'm more offended by it is because I feel like you're not doing your job at all. You're not even doing your job. 
if you're trying to get me to do some choreographed reaction that you've planned in your head two days before in order for you to do your job. That is offensive to me because I came, I came prepared, I came to do my job, now you do your job. And that's just how, I just feel like it's very offensive when you try to manipulate me to do your job for and you. And actors work <laughs> in different ways and use different language. And, and, and it is out, I mean, it is, it's absolutely out of the question to give another actor a note, but it could also be incredibly damaging yes. to the process of the play, the process of the rehearsal, to the process of the actor. It's, it's too personal. It goes through the director. Yes. Always. Always. I think a good way of handling that is, because <laughs> I've, I've occasionally had that where someone will give me a note, and the first thing I would say, well, well let's try that in rehearsal, and let's talk to the director about it. Because um, you don't want to set up a situation where, where most of those notes you're talking about, actor to actor, occur when the director's not there. Mm -hmm. um, and it sets up a very... Uh, Toxic personal dynamic Subversive. because be, yes, well not only in, in, not only that because then even as the actor, if I'm put in the position of, of having to say, you know what, don't give me notes, okay, even though I may be entirely justified, I've now set up a toxic mm -hmm. relationship yeah. with this person where I have to wonder, even you though know, you didn't start it, yeah, what's <laughs> what's you know w how much productive uh, uh, stuff is going to get out of out of, done out of uh, out of our particular relationship. So I'll always say, you know what, let's try that. Let's talk to the director about it because. I, I don't know of a single director on the planet who enjoys actors giving uh, other actors notes. And not giving them coded notes through the director. Mm -hmm. Which, I mean, that even that idea of, so what do you think she means by that line there? Do you think maybe she means, you know what, that's up to her what she means. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I think that that idea of people trying to give, um, you know, mm -hmm. tr trying... To, to get the other person to do the thing that will make them be able to do what they need to do on right. their next line. And it's one, it, 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 this is one of those things that, that crosses several lines. It's an etiquette thing. You do not do it. But it also is something about the process, too, that, that the process is about people getting in a room and finding and negotiating their way through conflict. And if you are telling someone how to do something so that you can do... Um, so that you can do something that uh, that you want to do, uh, it's going to be dishonest. It's not going to be real. And I actually remember one time, I, and I don't think it was giving an actor a, a note, but it's something that I did that, but always, I always makes me smile a little bit. Was actually with Chris Burke, who we have talked about in the past. He's a tremendous actor, and I was acting against him. And he at one had a gun in one scene, and I said to the director, "Oh, do you know what I would love? I would love it if I like could you grab the gun out of his hand at some point." And Chris said, "Yeah, I bet you would." <laughs> which, uh, which, um, yeah, kind of struck on sort of what 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 we're talking about is yeah, it, it's it's his not his job to give me his gun, right? Unless the director asks him to. Yeah. But it's not my job to ask the director That's to ask. That's hilarious. <laughs> I, I think on a more technical level, there are sometimes things that come up um, between other actors that, that are more technical, staging things, and those are things that go through the stage manager. Mm -hmm. It's Again, it's, it's not useful for two actors to feel that I think you're supposed to be standing here and you think you're supposed to be standing there. It's It doesn't help. It doesn't help build relationships as, as professionals together. It doesn't help with your work on stage. The stage manager has some responsibility and the director has the rest. And if there's something that's not working for you, it is okay to go up mm -hmm. to your fellow actor and say, can we go and talk to the director about this moment? Yeah. That's fair. That's totally fair. 
but it's not fair to say on this line could you push me so I have a reason to yell at you. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's just that's not that's, what, what it is. That's, I actually, that's actually, acting violation yeah. and staging violation. Yeah. I actually did a production of Antigone. I didn't. I was uh, stage managing a production of Antigone, and there was a scene between Antigone and the nurse, and her line was <laughs> Antigone's line was "Don't cry." And she stopped that this, I'm not going to obviously say who, but this woman would stop the rehearsal every time because the woman playing the nurse was not in physical tears. And she would literally say, how can I do this line? How can, I can't, can we cut it? Because I can't, because she's oh. not crying. It took everything in me not to lose my damn mind. <laughs> I was like, there's about 55,000 ways off the top of my head that I can figure <laughs> out how you could say it. <laughs> but um, that's Wait. a classic example. The other person wasn't doing exactly what she thought was supposed to happen, so the answer was cut the line. And and she <laughs> and the other actress <laughs> was never going to be able to deliver that after being put in that kind of oh, position. Oh, Exactly. I would actually actively not deliver that. <laughs> <laughs> like I will laugh my way through. <laughs> um, all right, so the point is, Don't. please do not give other actors notes. Um, so I think that's a good place to wrap up. Uh, thank you, uh, Jen and Jen and Jenny and Carrie and Tim. Uh, that is it for this episode of the Cry Havoc podcast. If you have not yet, go to iTunes and subscribe. And we'll be back later to talk about more issues of acting and directing and playwriting and being a working actor in New York. And we will talk to you soon. You can learn more about the Cry Havoc Company at cryhavoccompany.org. Questions or comments can be sent to podcasts at cryhavoccompany.org. All music from this show came from the Podsafe Music Network at music.podshow.com. Thanks for listening and please subscribe.